Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk Show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman, live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I refuse to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for May third in the year of our Lord, two thousand and twenty-one. This is our one of two, and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed. We use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America. That is our guide. Welcome to the broadcast. We reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. And we do so. One of the grand keys to help us do so is the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the Founding Fathers. What are the great peaceful restorative solutions we still have at our fingertips? Wow, the broadcast has been so busy the last couple of days. I've got two days to recap. The recap of Friday starts now. We had our guest on, Mr. Chris Carlson. And we always have a discussion with Chris on Friday's first hour, discussions of all things liberty. And we had a two-hour, I'm sorry, we had a one-hour big old debate. Was Donald Trump's presidency a success or a failure? That all depends on how you define success and failure. See, Chris thinks it was a dismal failure. I think it was an incredible success. Now, I know Trump's not perfect, I get it. But understand, ladies and gentlemen, that Donald Trump moved the needle on waking Americans up to how abusive and hostile and manipulative the media really is. Donald Trump stood for pro-life. Donald Trump put some pretty good people on the Supreme Court. Now, it hasn't panned out as much as we had hoped. Uh, but at the same time, you got to kind of give a little bit of question of how much can one man do? And you can't hold one man hostage for the whole country especially when most of the expenditures and, and the Federal Reserve and all that should be laid at the congressional feet. I mean, all spending bills start in the House. Uh, and so how much can one man do and how much can you lay on his shoulders? And uh, I say, you know what? President Trump in many ways did a lot of good. Uh, and you know what? That disruptive status that Donald Trump put forth, even though he fell short in many, 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 many ways, has exposed a lot of government swamp mentality belligerence. Uh, the vote fraud being chief among them. The idea that we're going to call the president an insurrectionist while he's the president because he says, I want to look at vote fraud and get to the bottom of the truth. Meanwhile, we've seen Nancy Pelosi and, and Maxine Waters and some of these other extremists, Ocasio-Cortez, literally go psycho uh, and literally call flat out for open violence. And you see the double standard in the media like you've never seen before. So Donald Trump has triggered a lot of people. Donald Trump has woke up a lot of people about how abusive the media is uh, and, and, and really helped people understand, you know what, what are you fighting for? Uh, he said, we'll never be a socialist country. And uh, Chris Carlson, you know, takes that to say, look how he's failed. We're a totally socialist country. That's true on one hand. On the other hand, the question is, was that Donald Trump's hope in the American people saying that we will step up and prevent it from becoming a socialist country? I, I don't know. I just know this. It should be a wake-up call to you and I and everyone else to say, you're right, Donald. We will never be a socialist country. It is time to stand is the point. 
Anyway, incredible debate, but federal authorities even are still after Donald Trump, and they're after Rudy Giuliani, Trump's chief attorney. Federal authorities, for example, last week raided the Manhattan apartment of Rudy Giuliani amid a continuing investigation into Giuliani's involvement in the Ukraine. So let me get this right. We're not going to dig into Hunter Biden's Ukraine involvement or involvement in foreign affairs, but we're going to dig into Giuliani's. What's interesting to me is they complain about Biden, but nobody can investigate. But yet they could still investigate Trump, even though he's now just an average citizen and all of Trump's allies. See what I mean, folks? People are starting to realize our country has been absolutely taken over and controlled by whacked out extreme Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, Joe Biden crowd. Uh, And you know what? No matter what we do, we can't seem to get above that secret combination, huh? So beware in America, but also use this as a wake-up call to stand up and be counted among the patriots, would you please? What is the point of being a constitutionalist, Chris Carlson wisely asked, if we support politicians who are not? Brilliant question indeed. Second hour, we head on Dr. Scott Bradley to preserve the nation's lifelong goal. He'll be on next hour as well. Freedomsrisingsun.com, his website. And we talked about a Cuban refugee. He says, we've already digested the poison pill of communism. Not only have we swallowed it, but we've digested it. You could tell how much media hate this country, writes Art Moore, who highlighted this reality check. Who are we talking about? Former Cuban refugee, Maximo Alvarez, warned in a speech at the Republican National Convention last summer that many Americans have not only swallowed the poison pill of communism, but they've digested it. And Dr. Scott Bradley, well-known American historian, to say the least, doubles down on that point. We've rejected America, folks. But there's a video that Dr. Scott Bradley put together on his website. Fundamental principles of liberty and proper government to help people get started. And what can we do to stop it? What can we do to change the game? There's a lot you can do, folks. Don't think that the uh, fat lady's already sung or that it's over. Take courage in God Almighty and learn about it. Freedomsrisingsun.com. Check out the videos. They're tremendous. We also talked about Joe Biden declares January 6th attack, not 9-11, as the worst attack on democracy since the Civil War. Well, I got news for old whacked out Joe. We don't have a democracy first off, my friend. So let's be very clear. Uh, Secondly, the January 6th issue was nothing compared to 9-11. Unless you're basically comparing them all saying they were both government false flags attack, then I might start to agree. Maybe we ought to have real investigations into all these government-involved shenanigans and get to the bottom of it and have true transparency, huh, Joe? Just wondering. That's a recap of Friday's broadcast. On Saturday, we had an equally interesting broadcast. Two-hour Liberty Roundtable Live special guest, Dean Spencer, was with me. Meet Dean, ladies and gentlemen. Dean Spencer is a homeless American America, here's Dean's story. How did he get there? Could this be you? And Dean talks about really doing a great job. He's suffered. He's really struggled, Dean Spencer has. But did you know the number of homeless in the United States is estimated at over a half a million people in 2019? Did you know in the state of Utah, January 19, 
Utah had an estimated 2,700 and growing population of homeless. Uh, there's a headline uh, in World Net Daily. It says San Francisco's trifecta of residents who are homeless, psychotic, and addicted. It's so bad. Where do social workers even start? Asks World Net Daily. We played the song Joe Nichols, If Nobody Believed in You. Second hour, the two-hour interview continued. It's May Day. That was May 1st, the broadcast on Saturday. We call May Day for the homeless. May Day is an international statement used by airline pilots, and it's an international distress call. We're calling that in behalf of the homeless right now. Brandon Heath, Give Me Your Eyes, we played that incredible song. We asked, what is the solution to America's homeless problem? And I believe it starts with the parable of the Good Samaritan, ladies and gentlemen. We can't depend on government to solve it all. We can't turn our backs and look at them and go, ah, it's their own fault. They're just lazy. They're just a bunch of drug addicts or whatever. We also played the Black Eyed Peas, Where Is the Love, a very song-driven two-hour broadcast with Dean Spencer. We talked about the principles of faith, hope, and charity, the three theological virtues that define mankind's ideal relationship to God and should be our ideal relationship with one another. Very riveting broadcast with Dean Spencer. He talked about how he was doing well, made a lot of money, got married, life was great. He came from a farming background. He was a mechanic for a living, worked for Geneva Steel, all was really well. But then over time, the wheels just fell off of his life and he became homeless. Now he's living in a friend's garage, so he's starting to come back from that. And he really wants to educate people about we can have community farms. We can work together as a community. The government system is designed to make you fail. And believe it or not, <clears throat> um, I have had occasion to meet with some social workers, some uh, probation officers, etc., and they tell me the system is broken and designed to make you fail as well. So Dean is not alone in that sad view. When will we change our system to not help people fail, but to encourage and advocate for and really set people up for success? How do we give people a hand up, not a hand out? How do we not have the government be their worst enemy? How do we help them get back on their feet? Dean Spencer believes community farms and working together and and, and can make a big difference. We're going to follow Dean's case for the next several months, see how we can help, see how we can be involved, see how we can report on it, because this homeless issue is serious indeed and growing at an alarming rate in America. And when we have basically gutted the middle class um, and we've created this COVID 10 times the fiasco that it should have been scenario, what do people do? How do we become our brother's keeper? How do we let our Christian morals lead out here how do we be the good samaritan care for our neighbors and minister to others and we got a lot of questions and very few answers if you believe the stream press and if you don't talk about god but if you believe in god almighty and if you believe in the christian principles that we all should live by at baptism we promise to bear one another's burdens you might get a new view and then there becomes tremendous hope faith and we hope we all learn charity along the way quick pause Lowell Nelson coming up straight ahead. You are listening to the one and only Liberty Roundtable live radio program.
seven years old. I'm sitting here in the corner having a time out until Mom comes to talk to me. All I did was cut my sister's hair. I was just trying to help. I guess Mom didn't like how I did it. In a minute, she'll be back and ask me if I know what I did was wrong. Maybe I shouldn't have cut her hair. And she'll say we all make mistakes because we're just learning about stuff. And she'll give me a hug and we'll end up talking about more stuff. No matter what you talk to your kids about, love is what they'll hear. I really like Mom's timeouts. And I think she likes them too. Yeah, I think they help her remember how much she loves me. A thought from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Visit us at mormon.org. I reinstated a policy first put in place by President Ronald Reagan, the Mexico City policy. I strongly supported the House of Representatives' pain-capable bill, which would end painful late-term abortions nationwide. And I call upon the Senate to pass this important law and send it to my desk for signing. We are protecting the sanctity of life and the family as the foundation of our society. And most importantly of all, it is the gift of life itself. That is why we march. That is why we pray. And that is why we declare that America's future will be filled with goodness, peace, joy, dignity, and life for every child of God. Promoting God, family, and country. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Radio. Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org. Welcome back, my good brother. Good to be back, Sam. Thank you for having me. Oh, man, there's so much to talk about. So little time. I'll tell you that right now. Now, there was an Utah Republican organizing convention that just took place on Saturday, right? Yeah, it sure did, Sam. And I was I heard there. it was a raucous <laughs> experience, my brother. A raucous at times, yes, it was. Uh, <laughs> there, there were uh, uh, 2,145 delegates in attendance, so just over 2,100 out of about 4,000. I mean, not the, the total number of delegates that should have been there was 3,900-something. So we'll just round up to 4,000 and, and just say about half of the delegates that could have attended did attend, um, which was um, lower than the usual two-thirds at an organizing convention. Usually at the nominating conventions, it, you get 100% attendance. And at these organizing conventions, you get two-thirds uh, uh, attendance. Well, we got barely over half of our delegates attending. But Now, why do you think it was so far down? Because usually the delegates, one of the interesting things about the um the Utah delegate system, if you want to say it like that or whatever else, and, and you know, it's ultimate in representation, number one. But usually those people are the people that take the time, that vet the candidates, that understand really what's going on day to day, et cetera. Why would only half show up this time, you think? Any any idea on that? Yeah, two factors. One was that the, the COVID last year um, quashed any attempts to elect new delegates. Uh, so the delegates that 
were in place for this year were delegates that were elected way back in the springtime of 2018, right? Because we didn't have it in 2020 because of COVID. So the 2018 delegates, uh, you know, shouldered that responsibility a second term in a row because no new delegates were elected. Now, of those delegates that were elected in 2018, you know, they were, you know, a lot of them were elected to, to get certain people into place. And whether if those those people, whether they got elected or not, the delegates who were championing their cause or candidacies, you know, they they sort of went away because their job was done. They either failed or yeah. succeeded in getting their candidates into place. Now, I want to stop you there, though, and say this is where I have a problem with our society. Mm-hmm. All right. We are manipulating reality according to the COVID, and we are doing things that violate, in my opinion, the proper role of limited constitutional government. Let me give you a couple of examples. And I don't mean to derail on this point, but I think it's really critical to understand. I've talked to stores about the coronavirus, for example, at Walmart shortened their hours for a while and stuff like that. And I said, you know, let me get this straight. You guys shortened your hours because of COVID, right? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, so listen, if you're open 10 to 10, I got 12 hours that people can stream in. So let's say that a thousand people an hour go from 12 to 12. You got 12,000 people that enter your store. I'm making this really simple, right? But if I reduce the hours to six hours and those same people go through the store, you're forcing more people to be closer together and go at the same time, (laughs) whereas they could spread out. So then you got 12,000 people going in six hours, not 12 hours, and you've got double the exposure per hour. How does that help with the COVID? And I finally pushed and pushed, and finally the person goes, well, we're doing it to save money. And I thought, okay, wait a minute now. Don't blame that on the COVID then. Don't lie to me. Double expose me and claim it's the COVID causing it. Don't do that. So the truth is I get that they want to save money. I get that it's tumultuous times. I understand all that. But don't mix these two things together. All right. The Uh next thing that I'll use as an example, because I just used a private sector business for the point. Now I'll use government. They're basically calling off and putting a halt to, you know, jury trials and, and trials. So the courts are all jacked down and nobody can get to court hardly. And it's tough to get a court date. And when you do, people are like on Zoom going, can you hear me? Are you there? I, I can't see your screen. And okay, and, and so you got these problems with, with the court systems. And now you're telling me because of the COVID, not only did people not show up, which, you know, that's bad enough. But you're telling me that we're not even going to reelect new delegates like we normally do. We can't do that virtually or in some other manner. Or physically with social distancing or whatever else. Uh, They're taking advantage of this coronavirus. And this is why I'm so mad about it. Because they're doing things that are so nonsensical, it's beyond me. So we don't have any new delegates. And then what happens is half the delegates go and then we're like, yeah, people aren't interested in government anymore. (laughs) And then we're like, oh, they're they're doing everything to take our society down over this. Okay, And this this is what I'm saying is that we have got to stop this, people. This is ridiculous. The courts aren't working, so you don't get a, a speedy trial. You don't get a trial of your peers, a jury trial anymore because of the COVID. You know, you got less delegates because of the COVID. People aren't reelected because of the COVID. We'll just suspend elections and suspend court dates and suspend. Why don't we suspend all these bureaucrats from making any laws? Why don't we suspend yeah. all the bureaucrats' paychecks then if it's because of the COVID? If we want to save money. By golly, just shutting off all the government paid check spigot ought to save a lot of money. Okay, so they're they're just playing games to the point of I can't take it anymore, Lowell. Yeah, 
Well, that's a, those are some great observations, Sam. And uh, you and I both know that the politicians, the bureaucrats are playing games with us and uh, using COVID as an excuse. The policy response to this so-called pandemic was wrong from the very beginning. And it has uh, hurt more people than it has helped, as we can see by the number of suicides and, and teen deaths and uh, depression and alcoholic uh, uh, abuse, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and violence in the homes, uh, you know, I mean, so many, many ill effects. So you can't even number the ill effects of the, that, that came out of the misguided policy response to the so-called pandemic, you know, and, and of course, I, I don't really believe that the pandemic was a pandemic anyway. The same number of people died in 2020 as died in 2019. And so it's pretty hard to call something a pandemic when the same number of people are dying year after year. But yeah, yeah, you know, you're exactly right. This, the, 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 this excuse, uh, using COVID as an excuse for not electing new delegates in 2020 was, uh, you know, part of the problem. And, and the party, you know, fell for it, uh, maybe because that was the time where it was in March. March 15th is basically when the country shut down and, we had our caucuses scheduled for the week after that, and so it was right at that time, and, you know, it, uh, it went haywire. <laughs> but uh, uh, Meanwhile, uh, only half the delegates were there, ladies and gentlemen, and when they were there, <laughs> I guess uh, you, uh, Mitt Romney got booed when he took the stage. Now, why are we hearing from Mitt in the first place? Well, <laughs> well... It's because the way they organized the convention, they had an, basically an hour of fluff, meaning, you know, the welcome, the, the county, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, what they call the roll call for, of each of the counties. We have 29 counties, and so they, they let each county give a hoop and a holler, you know, when they called their name to just recognize that they were present. And then they did a 30-second video clip on each of the counties. That, you know, it's kind of cool to see the whole state that way, a video, a pictorial representation of each county. Um, they, um, they did the, the national anthem, the presentation of the flag, the Pledge of Allegiance, all of that kind of stuff, okay? They did all of, It took about an hour. Yeah, so I call that the, the wave of the flag hour. Yep, yep, that's that first hour. Then they had to get two hours, Sam, of speeches, uh, from uh, current office holders, candidate speeches, and then followed that. And so, really, and, there's and let me no stop you there for done. a minute. I don't want to hear from the current speech or the current office holders. I want them to hear from <laughs> us, Lowell. When are they going to just yeah, sit down well, and listen to us? What they do is roll in and give these, you know, grandiose ivory tower speeches, and then they bail. What they need to do is sit down, mm -hmm. shut up, and listen up to us, we the people. Aren't we the ones that are elected them? Why are we hearing from the employees all day long? I don't get it. <laughs> well, you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, in fact, uh, during the 10 o'clock hour, that first hour of fluff, uh, we were, were you know, basically encouraged, scolded or encouraged, uh, whichever word you want to use, to not waste time by you know, bringing up frivolous rule change proposals and frivolous uh, resolutions and wasting the time of the delegates with talking, uh, you know, talk about, you know, what, should we you know, conduct this item of business or that item of business. And then after that, getting scolded or encouraged uh, not to waste time, then we were subjected to this two hours of uh, speeches from our current 
a, a public servant. And so it was. Now, that, could that you was, imagine so if you, as a bunch of employees, went into the bosses or the ownership of a company and said, listen to me, we're going to have a meeting, man, and I don't want you to waste any time telling us what you think. I don't want you to waste any time telling us how your company works. You sit down and listen to us. Can you imagine that kind of a belligerence? Yeah, it's hard to imagine that. <laughs> All right, quick pause. Yeah. We come back. Lowell's going to tell you Mike Lee took the speech pulpit, if you will. So did Mitt Romney. Drastically different results. Details in seconds from Lowell Nelson Campaign for Liberty.org on your radio. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Dan Naraki. The United States will restrict travel from India beginning on Tuesday amid a surge of COVID cases in that country. India recorded 401,000 new infections on Saturday, the only nation to have recorded more than 400,000 in a single day. Officials reported about 3,500 deaths on Saturday, but many also say that deaths have been severely undercounted amid the surge. The White House has ordered entry restricted for all foreign nationals who have been in India in the last two weeks. The restrictions do not apply to U.S. citizens or permanent residents. And North Korea has responded to President Biden's address to a joint session of Congress earlier this week, saying the president made a big blunder. In the speech, Biden called the nuclear program of North Korea a serious threat to America's security. In a statement, a senior North Korean foreign ministry official said that the president revealed that his policy towards their country would be hostile and claimed that the U.S. would soon face a very grave situation. This is USA Radio News. Hello, this is Wayne Alaroot for our newest sponsor, Asset Strategies, or ASI for short. ASI is a precious metals powerhouse. They sell gold and silver. Never in history has there been a more important moment to buy gold and silver. ASI has been in business for 39 years. They've served over 20,000 clients and sold $5 billion worth of gold, silver, and precious metals with zero complaints. Last year, gold sold gains of 25%. Silver nearly doubled gold's performance. Now Democrats are in charge. Green New Deal, open borders, free health care for illegals. Bailout broke cities and states. The debt is about to go through the stratosphere. The time to buy is now. The owners of ASI, Michael and Rich Checkin, have been my close personal friends for 16 years. ASI is the company I trust when it comes to buying and selling precious metals. Call now to receive a free consultation and a free one-ounce Silver Eagle with every qualifying purchase when you mention the Wayne Allen Root Show. Call 800-831-0007. That's 800-831-0007. Or visit AssetStrategies.com. As the U.S. begins bringing troops home from Afghanistan, Wendy King looks back at when it all began. It's been 10 years since the leader of al-Qaeda, Osama bin Laden, was killed in Pakistan. We wanted to get bin Laden. I'm really happy we got bin Laden. We sent a message that no matter who you are, how tough you think you are, we have men and women who will go get you, and we did. Robert O'Neill is the Navy SEAL who killed the terrorist in 2011, which was 10 years after the 9-11 attacks. In Afghanistan, the U.S. and NATO forces that still remain there have started leaving. President Biden has ordered them out of the country by September 11th. From the USA Radio News Pacific Northwest Bureau, I'm Wendy King. And Medina Spirit has won the 147th running of the Kentucky Derby. With the win, trainer Bob Baffert becomes the winningest trainer in the Derby's history, notching his seventh victory. 
Jockey John Velasquez also won his fourth run for the Roses aboard Medina Spirit. Race favorite Essential Quality ended up fourth. You're listening to USA Radio News. Begging politicians, bureaucrats, and educrats, and all do-getters to please obey the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. This is Liberty Roundtable. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about last Saturday's Utah Republican Party organizing convention. You say, Sam, why on a worldwide show are you talking about Utah's convention? Because it was so interesting, number one, because your state is probably very similar, number two. All right. So Mitt Romney spoke. Mike Lee spoke. The two senators from Utah, very different results, huh, Lowell? Yeah, that's right. Uh, and the third reason I'm, I wanted to talk about it, Sam, was because there were a lot of people around across the nation who wanted, uh, were wondered, what in the heck is Utah doing? Uh, you know, not censuring Mitt Romney because you know, they were I, in the last uh, impeachment vote uh, for you know after uh, President Trump left office. Remember, the U.S. House impeached him for his that January sixth uh, speech. Uh, you know, like causing inciting a riot at the Capitol, so-called, and and so they they impeached the president, um, and then the Senate took a vote uh, on that uh, article of impeachment, and Ju- Chief Justice John Roberts didn't even dignify the the event by attending and presiding because he knew how unconstitutional uh, the proceeding was, and nevertheless, uh, uh, Utah Senator. Mitt Romney and there were six other senators along, you know, voted to to remove the the uh, uh, president from office, even though he had already left office by that point. And so it was just a circus, basically. And and all the the, the other six states uh, they censured their their senator, and Utah never did. Utah never did uh, censure Mitt Romney. Well, the delegates who attended the convention on Saturday, just two days ago, there in Utah. Here, right here, um, they they had a very obnoxious and um, uh, detestable feeling about Mitt Romney. And so Mike Lee, when he stood up, boy, he received a thunderous applause. Man, he, he, he got up there and he almost couldn't start his speech because the applause was so was, was so loud and long and, 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 and cheer, cheerful. Um, and, and both before, during, and after his speech. I mean, he just got the biggest applause of anybody who spoke. Now, Mitt Romney, on the other hand, when Mitt stood up to speak, boy, did the boos come out. I mean, this is loud and raucous boos. And, and, um, and so the delegates gave Mitt Romney a very, very cold reception. In fact, there was 45 seconds of, of these boos where he couldn't even speak. He couldn't even speak over the loudness of the boos from the crowd on the loudspeaker system, in so, in so much that uh, the uh, the chair of the convention, Derek Brown, he he walked forward and 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 chastised the the delegates and, and just said, please, please, you know, be quiet, be quiet, you know, let's let him speak, let's let him let's let, let's hear him speak, and and uh, that video of the booze went viral. <laughs> there were numerous no videos question. of that that went viral. And, and the, uh, and the and sad so, part about this, Lowell, is there's a big historical reality that needs to be discussed here. The delegates rejected mm-hmm. Mitt Romney in the first place. And people always get a hold of me and say, mm-hmm. what is Utah doing? Why would you guys, such a conservative, religious state, you know what, um, elect such a wacko, carpetbagger, extremist, uh, you know, 
um, center or left, whatever you want to call it, senator. Why would you guys do that? And I responded and I said, I don't think the American people in Utah really did elect Mitt Romney. What happened was we had a caucus system and he got rejected there. But what they did is they worked on changing the laws and everything else prior to him coming as a carpetbagger and running. They let him get on the ballot with big money, circumventing the delegates, even though the delegates tried to shut him down. And the delegates got Shanghai and sidelined and Mitt Romney became a senator. So now when he gets up and speaks as the employee that we didn't really want in the first place, and he wants to then talk to us, you know what? The people are going, boo, it's the only way they have to register their displeasure. Lowell? That's right, because we don't have a recall law here in Utah. We have to, you know, you, you have to embarrass a, a public office holder into, re, into uh, leaving office, you know, resigning his office, or replace him at the next uh, election. There's, there's no recall or, law here. so Or both. Both, uh-huh. And, and, and so the convention is the only opportunity for de- delegates to give that feedback. And it's a, it's a very, I think it's a, a uniquely wonderful system <laughs> of feedback. Uh, the office holders who are doing the bidding of the delegates, they get good applause and, and loud applause and respectful applause. But those office holders who are abusing the office, they do not. Uh, they do, they're not treated kindly by the delegates, and it's an excellent feedback loop, which uh, you know I, I'm uh, very supportive of that that type of feedback. The delegate system here in Utah uh, used to be very strong, very uh, vibrant, because the only way a candidate could get elected would be through the, the support of the delegates. Well, that 2014 law called SB 54 which enabled a signature-gathering candidate to get on the, on the ballot for the party, allowed rich and famous politicians like Mitt Romney to bypass the delegates. And that's what the delegates were so angry about, because the, Mitt Romney got elected despite the delegate opposition. In fact, he lost at convention. I don't know if our listeners know that. but Yeah, and that's why I'm highlighting this. The delegates have no other way mm-hmm. to, to register their displeasure. This is something that bureaucrats... And the Republican Party and everybody else needs to hear me clearly. There are no ways for us, we the people and or our delegates, to register their displeasure. You can't do it in the media because the media is so fawning over Romney. You you can't do it at the delegation because you get shut down and circumvented as they change the law. There's no other way for people to register their displeasure. And so it's going to come out in some way or another. And you're lucky it's only booze. Not that I'm advocating for for more drastic action. I'm just telling you, though, that when you do this to the people, their frustration boils over. Okay, where's the feedback loop? Where's the, and the only answer that I have is I'm not really fond of booing people on the stage because I think it's classless, but I also think it may be necessary in this situation because there's no other choice they've given us. Uh, What we need to do though is um, with a resounding defeat, we need to reject him at the next election. The problem is without being able to tell the tale in the media, most people like the delegates don't realize how abusive it is. And the way you know is by looking at his voting record. Lol. Yes, the the New American Magazine produces what they call the Freedom Index four times a year by evaluating 10 votes in the US Senate and 10 votes in the US House and they 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 they, they look at those 10 votes that were taken and the the New American Magazine decides whether that was a constitutional measure or not and if it was a constitutional measure then the congressman's vote is counted as a plus, 
and if the if and if the congressman votes against the constitutional measure, that's counted as a minus against the 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 uh, the, con the member of Congress. Now, most of the votes in Congress are not constitutional, and so usually when a uh, senator or a representative votes for a bill, that that turns out to be a minus on the Freedom Index. Well, they, they're, they're, there's no better index, by the way, Sam. The New American Magazine Freedom Index is probably the best in the land. And it turns out that Senator Mike Lee has a, a lifetime score of 93% on the Freedom Index, meaning that he had, he, his votes are aligned with the Constitution 93% of the time. That's a very, very high score on the Freedom Index. You know, uh, people like Ron Paul and... And uh, Larry McDonald of uh, of Georgia in the early 70s and, and early 80s uh, are are two of the people who who might might have had a higher score than 93 percent, and that's compared with the score of 27 percent of Senator Mitt Romney um, lifetime score. So he votes with the Constitution only 25 percent of the time, a quarter of the time. Romney votes with the Constitution 75 percent of the time. He is not. Uh, uh, does not have fidelity with the, the U.S. Constitution. So, and the American people in Utah, the American people in Utah are not fond of and are not happy with the carpetbagger Mitt Romney for coming to our state for getting uh, such a low score for misrepresenting who we are as a people. People are not happy about that. But what can they do about it when you can use big money and your connections with all kinds of people because he ran the Olympics here and got a big old kudos for that. That's a whole nother historical. Okay. This guy, they have set the stage for this to happen and by hook or by crook be darned the people. They're going to make him the Senator. That's really what went on here. And people need to understand that clearly. Because yeah, I'm telling you, if you had an man. open discussion in the media where they were literally fair and real open debates and everything else, Mitt Romney would not have won. The delegates are proof. And all we got to do is educate the people and let them know what's really going on, and they'll feel the same way. But when they don't get that opportunity, you know, he kind of, uh, uh, you know, has this, um, oh, what do you want to call it, almost rock star holier-than-thou record of, oh, my gosh, Mitt's a good guy. He turned around the Olympics. He did a phenomenal job. He did a great job in Massachusetts. He was a governor. I mean, this guy's got credentials. Baby. He's a businessman. Wow, I like this guy. Boom, bada bomb, bomb, boom, done. But when people really hear the truth about his record, his record is – I mean, it really borders on betrayal status, Lowell. It's abysmal. Yeah, it's abysmal record. And uh, we just need to get the word out. And we're trying to get the word out, of course, by passing a, re a, a resolution of censure there at the convention. And that failed by just about 80 votes. That was evenly divided, Sam. But by that point, that was the very last thing of the convention. That resolution failed by 80 votes, Sam. I'll make one more point on that after the break. Then we'll move on. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Live. As a parent, is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental, where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. 
With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. Scott Bradley here. Most Americans are painfully aware that the nation is on the wrong track and in dire straits. Unfortunately, most political pundits only nibble around the edges when they claim to address the issues. Even worse, many of the so-called solutions are simply rewarmed servings of what got us into the mess we currently face. And the politicians think we're so gullible and naive that we'll buy their lies that they have reformed and now understand where they led us astray. Unfortunately, the truth of the matter is that they simply wish to continue to hold power. The solution to America's challenges is found in returning to the timeless principles found in the United States Constitution. My book and lecture series will reawaken in Americans an understanding and love of the principles which made this nation the freest, most prosperous, happiest, and most respected nation on earth. Visit to preservethenation.com and order my book and lectures to begin the restoration of this great nation. With news the networks refuse to use. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Back with you live, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Bushman, Lowell Nelson, Campaign for Liberty.org. So Mitt Romney's voting record is dismal, to say the least. I want to say one more thing about this. You know, it lost this vote to censure Mitt Romney and the delegation last Saturday, two days ago, by 80 votes. It was about 50-50. The reality check here, ladies and gentlemen, is I highlighted why did only half of the delegates go? And the answer is because they because the COCO literally suspended uh, the election of, 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 of new delegates. And a lot of the new delegates would have been for censoring Romney because they're caught up on what's going on. A lot of the old delegates who had different agendas, many of them might have been some of the people even that were backing Romney. Who knows? Uh, but these people basically, um, in my opinion, the 2,000 that went were more likely to back a Romney than, say, the new, or than the 2,000 that didn't go and the new delegates that might have been there. In other words, um <clears throat> that almost played into the hands of that vote losing as a precursor because not enough people are involved in the proper role of government. We must jealously guard our republic or we're going to lose it, people. And this is what I'm telling you. The current delegates that didn't show up would have been more likely to probably reject Romney. And the new delegates that would have been elected had we had real um, replacement of the delegates as, in my opinion, the proper role of government calls for, we would have had a change. So I think that all stars aligned again against we the people lol yeah that's a great point sam remember in 2018 that was the year that uh senator um, uh, mitt romney got elected he he lost that convention but because of the signature law in utah he was able to get onto the primary ballot by gathering signatures spending money and then gathering signatures and so the delegate the, the crop of delegates that were elected in 2018 were were very thick with uh, Romney supporters uh, because he he got out and beat the bushes and got a lot of people to to run and support him as delegates. Uh, and even then, he didn't get enough of them. But it was that crop of delegates that has been held over and went to the convention just uh, two days ago here in Utah. So you're spot on when you say that this this crop of delegates uh, was biased for 
or in favor of uh, Mitt Romney. And, and even then, um, you know, that, that resolution to censure him failed by only about 80 votes. Very, very close. In fact, they, they, they front-loaded the convention with all those speakers to wear down the delegates so that, you know, the, uh, there's about 1,500 votes cast out of that 2,100 who are, uh, who are credentialed to attend, but by 2 or 3 o'clock, which is when we uh, took up that resolution, the very last item on the agenda, there had already left. The three or four or 500 of the delegates had already left. And so you can just tell that uh, they, they strategically placed that resolution as the very last item of the agenda, on the agenda so that uh, in hopes that uh, enough people would leave so that they would not be able to, to even consider it. Because Robert you know, once Higgs. you lose half of the delegates, yeah, you, 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 once you lose half the delegates from the convention, you cannot consider any business. And so they would have adjourned the convention even without having considered the resolution. I believe that was their end game. But uh, fortunately, enough delegates stayed around for it to consider the resolution. And even though it failed to pass, uh, it is absolutely true that Mitt Romney got the message from the delegates that they were displeased with the job he's doing in the U.S. Senate. Yeah, but he doesn't care because the answers to the big funders and the big business and the people that put him there, his unique connections in the state of Utah, he answers to the deep state, ladies and gentlemen, and he doesn't care. You got that? So the only chance we have left is to remove him from office by our greater numbers. And the only way that happens is through education, ladies and gentlemen. Let's be very clear. Thus, Liberty Roundtable Live and many other wonderful people doing similar things to help educate the American people. All right, 12 myths fueling government overreach in times of crisis. Robert Higgs writes the piece, a great piece that kind of backs this very point too, Lowell. It sure does. I couldn't believe it as I read through this article by Robert Higgs, uh, posted at lourockwell.com. He identifies a dozen myths, M-Y-T-H-S, myths, right, myth plural, that fuel government overreach. And the reason I, I, I was amazed at this article is because it was just uh, every single reason or every single myth that Robert Higgs identifies has been employed, it seems like, with the COVID-19 so-called crisis. <laughs> and so this is an evergreen topic, and, uh, and so it's worth talking about. Um, he starts out by saying, uh, by writing this, he says, any government policymaking on an important matter entails serious risks, but crisis policymaking stands apart from the more de- deliberate process because formal institutional changes have a strong tendency to become entrenched Remaining in effect for many years and sometimes for many decades, crisis policymaking has played an important part in generating long-term growth of government through a ratchet effect in which temporary, so-called temporary emergency measures have expanded the government's size, scope, or power. It therefore behooves us to recognize the typical presumptions that give crises policy, or crisis policymaking its potency. <laughs> End of quote. And so, yeah, he is spot on. Uh, so as we walk through the, these uh, myths, let's try to recognize the, you know, what happened with COVID-19. So myth number one, Sam, nothing like the present situation has ever happened. In other words, they, they, you know, fear is a great motivator. In fact, the, the most, all, all government, uh, bad government comes out of fear. Um, and so proponents of expanding government 
um, have an incentive to, to represent the current situation as unprecedented and therefore as uniquely menacing unless the government steps in to save the day. <laughs> so what happened with COVID-19? Well, big medicine claimed it had never happened before. Yeah, we're in uncharted but territory, both... thus we need uncharted action. <laughs> That's right. The truth of the matter, Sam, is that coronaviruses are very common, right? 25% of all common colds are caused by coronaviruses. They're very, very common. It's also a fact that the human body is uniquely capable of defending itself against coronaviruses of all kinds. Well, Big Pharma doesn't want you to, to realize that, of course, because they, they have a monetary interest in the, in, in the uh, COVID-19 propaganda. They, have, they, they want a revenue stream that goes from your pocketbook to their bottom line. So they, they're not going to talk about the, the blessing of the immune system of the body. They're not going to talk about natural remedies that are inexpensive, by which you can beat the COVID-19 uh, virus. Uh, they're not going to talk about any of that. They're not going to talk about 99.5% of people on the average don't die at all, even with nothing done? I mean, let's just keep going on, right? So uh, there's one of them. Though. Hey, we're in uncharted territory. We have to. Number two. Number two. Unless the government intervenes, the situation will get worse and worse, Sam. Why right? do we always have to look to government happens. for solutions is the point. Why? We don't. <laughs> well, yeah, you're, you're right. In fact, Sam, all the good solutions come from the private sector anyway, from individuals, uh, not from government. Uh, and, okay, number three. We'll move along. But, in fact, I'll give the myth. Sam, and you give me the illustration of the myth of, uh, because of COVID-19. Yeah, I'll okay, highlight the disingenuousness three. of it. <laughs> okay. Today, is, it's all important. We have to act immediately, Sam, to beat this thing. We've got to act now. They always use this unprecedented immediacy to sell the lie. Because if they wait a little bit of time and people get their feet under them, they'll make wise decisions that will reduce the involvement of government, not increase it. So they can't let a crisis, a great opportunity, go to waste to expand government. They got to act now, so you don't have the chance to react. It's like in a boxing game, if I or a boxing match, if I punch you hard while you're staggering, is the time to hit again quick. If I wait and you get your feet under you again, I might be in trouble as you fight back hard. Okay, that's what's going on here, folks. Next, myth number four: government officials they know or they can quickly discover how to remedy the problem. When we think government always knows we're wrong 90% of the time, the people know, the great genius of America knows, but bureaucrats and professional do-gooders 99% don't know. Furthermore, they have a motive agenda that derails the truth. That's why we need to prevent them from stepping, stepping into the gap so quickly. Lol. Number five is we may safely rely on the establishment and on the government and on its insiders for expertise in this crisis. They have too many connections to get them reelected. They have too many backers, secret donors, and more. We cannot trust them. Reagan said trust but verify. Dr. Scott Bradley says, hey, I'm not going to trust, but I will verify. Sad tale for the deep swamp, but answers it correctly nevertheless. Lol. Number six. We, we can trust government to act responsibly and effectively on the basis of the expertise they command. And when have we seen the government act responsibly? I mean, these people are, what, $30 trillion in debt? If you count unfunded liabilities, it's over $130 trillion in debt. 
their responsibility, credibility is out the window. Get used to it and step up to the plate, my fellow Americans, and do it now. Next. Number seven, the clear benefits of quick government action may be assumed to outweigh its costs and its actual or potential negative consequences. Historical track record proves that to be a thousand percent false. When left to the American people is when we have success. And whenever government gets in the middle, it costs too much money and takes away too much liberty. And their track record proves my point. I need not say more. Myth number eight, well, fact-finding, deliberation, study, and debate are too time-consuming and must be foregone in favor of immediate action, Sam. And that's the other side of the coin from our earlier one, that government has to do something immediately. We better seize the day. This one is, is again, the opposite side of the light. We don't have time to do our due diligence. We always have time to do our due diligence. When they want to sell you something and they say you got to buy it within an hour or the special goes away, run for the hills. Whenever they put that kind of time pressure on you, you know they have a sinister agenda in mind. Because otherwise, why would they worry about you getting your ducks in a row and being comfortable and confident about the solution or the action about to be taken? Because they know if you get time, you probably won't take the action they want you to take. It's the other side of the coin, lol. That's exactly right. Myth number nine, existing structures, companies, and incumbent firms, they got to be preserved. New structures and firms are unthinkable. We got the crony capitalists, right? We got to use the existing firms to solve this problem. And this is government lying to you. The free market, the free enterprise system has this ability to jettison bad actors and bring on success. And uh, building a better mousetrap to your door is kind of the idea here. The market has the ability to kind of re-wash, re-rinse itself. Self-cleaning mechanisms. Self, okay, and the government circumvents that process. And that's why we have bad actors over and over and over and over. Because the government is preserving and protecting, creating winners and losers in the marketplace. Let the system work and get out of the way is what three market folks, including Sam Bushman, would say. One more myth, Sam, number 10. We won't hit 11 and 12, but 10 is important. If a policy is not getting the results that its proponents promise, then you've got to pour more money into it until it finally works. What you've got to do is you've got to jettison it and say that it doesn't work. Be honest with yourself, not dishonest. And that's why politicians have lost their credibility. Their only answer is to throw more money at it because with our fake money system, that's what they've got at their disposal. Chain them down with the Constitution. Return to honest money. And when they don't have money to throw at it, we can look at other solutions. Engaging the broad genius of the American people would be where I would start. Lol, thank you so much, sir. Godspeed. We missed one of your stories and two of the line items. Uh, we'll get to them soon, my friend. Thank you so much. You're awesome, Sam. Thank you. Hour one in the can, hour two coming up. Dr. Scott Bradley with us. God save the Republic. Live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting talk.
This is Mitt Romney getting the boot at the convention, ladies and gentlemen. He's saying thank you. They continue to boo, ladies and gentlemen. This lasted for like 45 seconds. It did not end. So what do you think about President Biden's first 100 days? <laughs> now, you know me as a person who, uh, who says what he thinks, and I don't hide the fact that I wasn't a fan of our last president's character issues. See how long it goes on, folks? I'm leaving it on for a while because I want you to understand. This wasn't a quick boo. This was a continued boo disruption. I'm a fan of the president's... Yeah, sure. My friends, this is the moment I was talking about. Please, thank you. Show respect. All right, so now Mitt Romney gets help from, from the Utah leader of the Republican Party. He has to literally go on there and say, listen, this is what I was talking about. Now, here's the problem. The American people have been given no way to express their displeasure about this. Romney got booed like you would not believe. Mitt Romney booed during speech at Utah GOP convention two days ago. Now, by the way, if you look up uh, Mitt Romney or Romney booed, you get all kinds of places he's been booed, by the way. This is not the first time. Okay, people don't like Mitt. People don't like socialists. All right? And, and the sad part about this carpetbagger is that he got in by hook and by crook. We'll get into this. Dr. Scott Bradley's with me. I normally uh, you know, tell you, hey, Liberty Roundtable Live, this is our 202. This is the broadcast uh, for May 3rd in the year of our Lord, 2021. What we stand for, we reject revolution, we stand for peaceful restoration, all those things. But I had to jettison it because this topic is hot. You know, I hear all over the country, why would you Utahns elect such a, an extreme liberal? We really didn't, ladies and gentlemen. The media got in bed with big money, got in bed with changing the laws to make all that happen. And now the people, the delegates who rejected Romney, uh, now are coming back and basically saying, you know what? We don't appreciate you at all. We don't even want you here, Mitt. But they've been left with no way to express their displeasure. Now, I'm not necessarily defending treating somebody like that on the stage, but I am saying what avenues do we have left? What are we to do? Uh, is what Ammon Bundy says about these kinds of things. We have no recourse. We have no options, no choices. Dr. Bradley, welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live, sir. Well, thank you. It sounds like a very raucous meeting. And, um, and indeed, it truly was. I, I wasn't at the meeting. I, <clears throat> the Republican Party left me a long time ago. And, and while I had played, uh, uh, well, maybe an inordinately large role in terms of how involved I was in decades past, uh, they uh, they seem to have jettisoned a lot of things, and they've brought people like Mitt Romney along. Now, I, I know there are, are people in the uh, uh, various organizations of them that are very unhappy with him, but uh, he's been given an overly large presence there. Uh, over the years, I've, I've tracked him and watched him, and and even written substantially about him. I've read what he's written, and holy cow, anybody that voted for him was either deceived or a deceiver, <laughs> or maybe they were ignorant, I don't know. But at any rate, um, he did indeed uh, find his way into Utah politics by hook and by crook, and uh, and I know people 
personally very well that say he deceived me. Well, no. You've got to do your research. People need to understand you must choose wisely when you choose a representative. And, and certainly Mitt Romney does not reflect what has historically been uh, a, the perspective of, of those that are in the state of Utah. But uh, in fact, back, oh, it was probably 15 years ago anyway, I was asked by an organization to write a review of Mr. Romney. And I, I, I tend to become quite verbose in my reviews of things because the documentation usually I want to present it all. But there's so many things that we could talk about. His 30-year his pro-abortion thing, his, uh, he's the godfather and brainchild of uh, America's socialized health care. I mean, his Massachusetts health care became Obamacare. He's, he's okay with uh, preemptive unconstitutional war. He's supported the same-sex involvement not only in Boy Scouts, but promoted it all across the board. And, and he became the godfather of same-sex marriage in the United States by executive order in Massachusetts as the governor. He created the first state in which same-sex marriage was uh, not just legal, it was directed. The, the he right basically is in sheep's clothing on your right to keep and bear arms. He says, on one hand, we I'm a member of the everything. NRA. On the other hand, I'm going to strip guns of lethality from the American people. I mean, the guy's insane. Uh, but here's the deal. I want to be very clear it, because, you know, the nation wants to say, Utahns, what have you done? What are you thinking? What are you doing? Um, we did not elect this guy, really. The media in bed with big private money uh, literally got him on the ballot. The delegates rejected him, by the way. Uh, and, and so people need to understand that our whole system was circumvented. Uh, whether vote fraud's involved or not, I cannot say. Uh, but I will say it's very, very interesting. And this latest convention proves it. You know what? They had an hour of fluff, wave the flag stuff. Lowell Nelson reported on it last hour. He was there. And then they basically spent the next two hours letting you hear from all the bureaucrats. And my response is, which, which bosses would want to walk in and just listen to their employees babble for two hours about their successes? Now, don't get me wrong. I think that... You know, we should hear from our employees on occasion, but in, at least in, in politics and in government, employees want to run the asylum. They want to run around and tell the American bosses to just shut up and sit down and listen. And so they're booing Romney. But what other recourse do they have? They were shut down as delegates, even though they rejected Romney. It was circumvented by changing the law and letting him put money into the ballot and get signatures and get on the ballot anyway. The media. Uh, picked it up and carried the ball for Romney, and there wasn't any real debates or real lively discussions uh, after they had circumvented the uh, delegations. Now the delegation fighting back because they're feeling like we don't have any other recourse. We have no other choice but to boo this guy and show our displeasure. Now, I'm not fond of doing that. It's not very polite or kind or anything. But what other choice do they have? Now we can, well, get rid of him at the next election. Fine. We've still had six years of abuse from the guy. But I don't know that we can not elect him now. He's got too much big money in the media in his back pocket to where I don't think most people can get the truth. They're just going to go, that's the well-known businessman. That's the guy that saved our bacon on the Olympics. Good guy. Put him in office. Because they don't get the other side of the story or the truth. The media rejects it. Uh, he's a carpetbagger. He's not even from the state. Um, he's a governor. All those things, though, uh, you know, build out his resume very nicely. Um but this is the, a quintessential kind of discussion about what's wrong in America. Even the people who want to fix it really can't. They tried to censure him uh, for his abuse of Donald Trump and, and voting to impeach uh, in the Senate. He was like the only one to do so or whatever. I guess maybe a few others did. Uh, but the bottom line, though, is this is where we sit, Dr. Bradley, to where people ask me, what is wrong with you people in Utah? Well, what's wrong with us? 
Our whole system has been Shanghai, sir. That's what's wrong. Well, if we had a few minutes to discuss this, we could explain what went wrong and why. Uh, we are a republic, and, and what has happened is that uh, the trusted representatives that we put at the head of the, uh, at least to be our representatives in Utah, changed the law, which changed our republican form of government. I'm not talking about parties. I'm talking about our representative form of government, and that's what the uh, convention represented was was representatives chosen by people in their neighborhoods all across the state. They were chosen as trusted representatives that were to go to the convention and examine the different candidates and choose wisely in who they would send forth. The leaders of the state of Utah in their legislative branch and offices changed that so that democracy began to prevail in Utah. And when that happened, it allowed carpetbaggers, as you call him, like Mitt Romney, to come in with a lot of name recognition and a lot of money. And they came and they, they used that name recognition and money to, to get signatures on ballots, and those, uh, not ballots, excuse me, on uh, petitions that placed them automatically on the ballot. And by that process, they were then... Uh, because of their money, their uh, their name recognition, everything, were elected by the democracy, if you will, of the state. The trusted representatives were shunted and completely moved out of the way. That it had worked forever. We could cover every single aspect of the founding of this nation. It has, in every instance, been a republic with trusted representatives that people select because of their wisdom and understanding and everything like that. Everything from the, the guys that did the Declaration of Independence through the Constitution Convention, through the ratification process, through the process of election of uh, those that sit in office, through the Electoral College, uh, every single step of the way, and that has been completely jettisoned because of the uh, Utah legislature being overtaken by those that wanted to take the power away from this Republican form and destroy the Republican form of government. Now, you need to understand a few things, though, too. The American Founding Fathers, in the first Constitution, the Articles of Confederation, had recall. That means they could call back someone that was a representative in the national legislature. Sounds like we've got to take a break. Holy cow. Amen to that. Time flies when you're having fun and talking about things that matter most. Ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you the whole system of elections is being shanghaied in Utah and across this grand republic. And we're being turned into a democracy line by line. Dr. Bradley documenting the proof. When we get back, we'll talk about recalls, a vital function, a last step, if you will, uh, being circumvented as well. We'll talk about it in seconds. Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, what if somebody steals our gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way. But actually, gold is 
money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into mommy and daddy's bank account because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt, and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. All right, we're back, ladies and gentlemen. The recall was discussed and rejected, constitutionally speaking, in the United States. Let's talk about this, Dr. Bradley. Okay, uh, back in the... Now, I know a lot of people, and probably Ammon Bundy would be one of them, and certainly most of the people that are in favor of of, uh, rewriting our Constitution and having a Constitution convention are in favor of it, but they need to look at an historical perspective. There, you know, we can tell the future from the past if we're willing to learn from that. And what had happened during the Revolutionary period and the writing of the Articles of Confederation, which was the first Constitution of the United States, they had a recall uh, capability in that document, which meant that if your representative was out there, you could bring him back home any time and replace him. Well, they had they had found the, through experience, through sad experience, because actually they acted like the this Constitution was ratified and in effect during basically the whole Revolutionary War. It didn't get really ratified until the end, but they they operated as though it were such. And what they found was that by recalling constantly those that they had put in office, they created a whole turmoil and lacked continuity in their government, and it really kept them from being able to operate effectively, and they've nearly lost the Revolutionary War because of some of the stupid things that were in there. Now, those that want to rewrite our Constitution are saying, we've got to get recall and we've got to get term limits. And by the way, term limits were also in that in that document. They had experience. They rejected this when they got in the Constitution Convention of 1787, and they they knew full well what was in their Constitution. They set it aside. They wrote a new one. Now, when there was, at, at the end of it, in its ratification process, there were many clamoring uh, to get uh, recall put back in. And R.R. Livingston, a delegate from, from New York, uh, explained very eloquently and powerfully why recall would not and could not work and had failed in the convention. And I can explain that at some length if we, if we need to. But, but the fact of the matter is, we've been down that road. And and we found it to be failure. We nearly lost our country during the Revolutionary War because of 
things that were in that constitution that did not work. We corrected that in the new constitution of 1787. Most of the people do not have that historical context, and now they're clamoring for it. But, but here's the process. We as a people, we the people, have a responsibility to choose wisely those that we send into office. And those that we send into office take an oath to uphold the Constitution. If we, the people, do not hold them to that by choosing people that will do so, like I said in the first little segment of this, the history of Mitt Romney is absolutely overflowing with failure in all the things that were baseline principles. And yet the people, because of an unwillingness to take responsibility for this, they go to the goodie box and they think, oh, what can I get from this? Now, I've run for the Senate a couple of times, and I can't tell you how many times people came to me and says, what will you give me if I vote for you? And so we are selling our votes to those that are sending us into a tyranny, a destruction of our liberty. Now, by the way, they do that at the Utah legislature, too. Those individuals at the legislature in Utah that jettisoned the Republican form of selecting our local delegates to send them to be the ones that, that make good and wise and honorable decisions at the convention, we have sold that out, and now they let it go to the highest bidder. And that, that was a big mistake. And, uh, and, and it's been allowed to stand. And so what needs to happen is the law needs to be changed again. And we need to go back and say, we're going back to our original form of government, the Republican form of government that, that reflects everything that's happened in this nation from its very founding needs to be reinstituted. We go to trusted representatives that operate within the limits and bounds of their office. And, and unless and until we're willing to do that, we the people are going to continue to get people like Mitt Romney to sit in high office in this state. <clears throat> so... That's right, so the let's, problem. Let's talk a little bit about the attention. difference between recalls and referendums and uh, all these different things, impeachments, and because they're all ways to, to express displeasure. Uh, and there's no recall in the state of Utah, justly so, according to the Founding Fathers' view. Uh, but in other places, they have recalls, but they have referendums and all kinds of other ways where the people try to insert their authority. Uh, and no doubt, we the people have the authority. The problem is when you uh, go about it wrong, then you end up with a democracy that circumvents the republic. Uh, and you go about uh, letting the media drive the discourse. You let uh, people who have big money uh, drive the narrative. Uh, and, and so that's the danger. That's the fear. Uh, highlight, Dr. Bradley, if you would, please, the difference here so people kind of understand. Wait a minute. We have control, don't we? Ultimately, we have the say. Yes, but through processes that stabilize the republic, don't destabilize. Processes that create a standard of consistency uh, as opposed to kind of an anarchy type, uh, we're angry and we're going to riot till we get our will idea. I mean, that's the balance we're talking about, right? Well, it is indeed, and that's why we must choose wisely. A senator's there for six years for crying out loud. They were to be well-seasoned, well-principled, they were, you know, they have an older requirement. I mean, I, I think 35 years old today is maybe the new 18-year-old. I don't know the way we're doing things. But the fact of the matter is that, that we have processes by which people are removed from office. Each house can re, uh, remove their, uh, their membership by two-thirds. The president and all others, vice president, civil officers, can be removed by 
impeachment. The House has the sole power of impeachment. The uh, uh, the idea that the Senate tries that. I mean, there's a there's a deliberative process that goes into this kind of thing. And, you know, treason ha has processes by which, I mean, I'm just kind of running through the Constitution in my mind here of the ways that different things could be could be done. But uh, ab absolutely, <clears throat> sometimes we get, we make bad choices. I mean, it's kind of like getting in a bad marriage or something like that. People need to choose wisely. You don't look in the wrong places for people. And... And, you know, uh, I, I, I knew a woman that was very active in politics many years ago, and, and uh, she, she talked of Mitt Romney as he was eye candy. Well, if you're choosing eye candy to be your representative and the baseline inside principles are rotten to the core, how, how are you going to end up with, with good things? And so we, we, we've got to learn the processes. We've got to examine the I mean, the hearts and minds. And by the way, that is what the trusted representatives, the caucus process is what I'm talking about. Some of your listeners probably are not familiar with that kind of thing That if they're outside the state of Utah. But historically, as part of a Republican process there, that every year, well, every election year, the, the people met in their neighborhoods. They called them caucuses. They chose people out of their own ranks, people that they knew, people they might have went to church with, that were business people, that were individuals that they had had interaction with on the street, and and they chose people that they can. They were that was the theory. They would choose people that were uh, good and wise and honest, that they could elect to be a delegate. They would elect them both to the county convention as well as to the state convention. These good and wise and honest and honorable uh, representatives of the people in the neighborhoods were tasked with the responsibility of examining each of the potential candidates they were to get with them, talk with them, look at their platforms, have interaction with them, and basically grill them to find out where the heck they were coming from and what they were doing. And from that information, they reported back to their caucuses I mean, I, many, many, many years I was a delegate from, from it elected in this process and report back to their caucuses. Okay, here's what I found. Here's what Rip Romney stands for. Here's, here's what his history is. Here's what his background is. Here's what I believe he, where he is taking this. He's got books out. He's got statements he's made. All of these things need to be taken into consideration by these honorable delegates. Then they go to the convention and they vote their as to who will be selected to maybe go to a primary, and then from that primary, if they couldn't, uh, you know, bring somebody out of the convention with a clear majority, then they would have them selected in the primaries. What the state legislature did in Utah is they said, oh, that's all well and good, but if you can get enough signatures, democratic process, on a, on a petition, you automatically go on the ballot. And then so those that have been have purchased you know, uh, literally, uh, they they oftentimes will collect signatures via a process where they, they pay people to collect signatures, okay? So if you can pay enough money, let's say you're paying four bucks a signature to somebody to go around and get it. They're motivated. You know, you get 2,000 signatures, you know, made pretty good money for a week. Sounds like we've got to take another break. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's how it kind of works. That's how it is. And let me remind you, we must talk about this as well. The senators are now elected by the people, and we've now circumvented the delegate process in Utah. 
and then we want to use recall to change that. But yet the senators used to be state representatives representing us at the federal discussion. Let's talk about that in seconds. Exposing corruption, informing citizens, pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken is meeting with G7 foreign ministers and the United Kingdom this week to plan the G7 summit in southwest England next month. Chinese aggression is on the docket. I think what we've witnessed over the last uh, several years is China acting more repressively at home and more aggressively abroad. That is a fact. Secretary Blinken on CBS News. Officials in San Diego, California, report at least four people died and many were injured when a human smuggler's overloaded vessel broke off the coast. The debris field washed up on Point Loma after it disintegrated on a reef Sunday morning. We all know getting the COVID-19 vaccine has some skeptics. Some companies in America are ready to reward you with your proof of vaccination. Special offers from Budweiser, Junior's Cheesecake, Krispy Kreme, Nathan's Hot Dogs, Staples, Office Depot, and White Castle are just a few making special offers. USA Radio News. Hello, this is Wayne Alaroot for our newest sponsor, Asset Strategies, or ASI for short. ASI is a precious metals powerhouse. They sell gold and silver. Never in history has there been a more important moment to buy gold and silver. ASI has been in business for 39 years. They've served over 20,000 clients and sold $5 billion worth of gold, silver, and precious metals with zero complaints. Last year, gold saw gains of 25%. Silver nearly doubled gold's performance. Now Democrats are in charge. Green New Deal, open borders, free health care for illegals. Bailout broke cities and states. The debt is about to go through the stratosphere. The time to buy is now. The owners of ASI, Michael and Rich Checkin, have been my close personal friends for 16 years. ASI is the company I trust when it comes to buying and selling precious metals. Call now to receive a free consultation and a free one-ounce Silver Eagle with every qualifying purchase when you mention the Wayne Allyn Show. Call 800-831-0007. That's 800-831-0007. Or visit AssetStrategies.com. Average gasoline prices have risen two cents in the last week and now stand at two eighty nine a gallon. From the Texas USA Radio News Bureau, John Clemens reports. That two eighty nine is a fresh multi year high as the COVID nineteen recovery continues to fuel gasoline demand. Patrick Dehan of GasBuddy.com tells us the future holds even higher prices. Motorists can expect prices to continue inching higher in the coming days. Gas Buddy data shows that gasoline demand last week rebounded sharply. Overall, it's that increase in gasoline demand that will likely continue to push prices up as we head towards the start of the summer driving season just several weeks away in Memorial Day weekend. Federal and state taxes will present even higher prices at the pumps. Medina Spirit won the Kentucky Derby Saturday, upsetting the top favorites in the field to win the 147th running of the Roses at Churchill Downs. This is USA Radio News. Dr. Scott Bradley, freedomsrisingsun.com with me. The 17th Amendment to the state or to the United States Constitution changed the affairs of the nation to direct election of the United States senators in each state. 
The amendment supersedes, they say, Article 3, Clauses 1 and 2 of the United States Constitution, under which senators were elected by state legislatures. It also changed the way vacancies would be filled. Originally, the Constitution required state legislatures to fill Senate vacancies. That's all changed. And I submit this has a lot to do with the problems we're facing uh, in this regard as well, Dr. Bradley. Well, absolutely. Uh, uh, actually, it was Article 1, Section 3 that uh, that was changed by the uh, 17th Amendment. And basically, uh, you can read about this stuff in the 39th Federalist Paper if you're interested, wherein they talk about their interest in dividing and subdividing power, not only within the government itself, from the legislative, executive, and judicial, and, and uh, bicameral house, and all of these kinds of things. The founding fought the, the idea behind the Constitution was that it was to control human nature to accrue and then begin to abuse power. So they divided and subdivided it within the government, but within also they divided and subdivided it within sources of power. So the House was to get their power from the people, the Senate from the states, if you will. The president had a, a very interesting kind of a compound methodology through the Electoral College how to do that. And of course, the judges and the approval process and the, through the executive and the legislature, all of those kinds of things testify of their desire to divide and subdivide power. Now, uh, because the House gets their power from the people, they also have the shortest term of office because it is probably the most powerful. You get the people's voice behind something and suddenly it's whacked out. Everything's, oh man, we've got to listen to the people. Plus they have the power of the purse. But the Senate, on the other hand, got their power because they were appointed by the state legislatures. Those state legislatures had a seat at the, at the national government or the general government level because they were represented there. And, but they also had to have a national perspective, if you will, as a senator. They could not have only a state perspective because that would just have a... I mean, there's so many factions in states. And, and by the way, that's one of the arguments Livingston used against recall when he spoke against it. He says, what happens if in New England states the, our fisheries are being uh, attacked and acts of war are happening by the British Navy with their strength and everything? We can't get out and do the fishery stuff. And so by those acts of war, the nation needs to go to war to defend its rights. But the people in Georgia are saying, no, that ain't our problem. No, 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 that's a New England problem. Well, the, the senator from Georgia had to be able to, to say this is a national issue that we have to get engaged in. Because if they had recall, the senator from Georgia could have been pulled home if he voted for what was necessary for the nation. So all of these things were a delicately balanced, inter intricately woven tapestry of power and ambition against ambition and all these kinds of things. And so what happened when the 17th Amendment came is that they destroyed that dynamic by giving the senators the voice of the people also. So the rabble, if you will, that were clamoring for all of the benefits of, of some gimme, gimme, gimme goodie box, it suddenly came into that. And we can, we can demonstrate this very clearly by the national debt. In, in fact, in, in 1800, the national debt per capita was $15 and change. Now, well, not, well let's not just dump to now, but in, in 1900, it was $28 and change because the senators took that rabble-driven budget stuff out of it 
as it came to them. But in 1913, we got the 17th Amendment, and now our per capita debt, I haven't looked at it today, it's probably $70,000 per capita now. Went from $15 in 1800 to $28 in 1900 to today, just 120 years later, 70000 because the Senate is is elected by the same voice of the same people. We can see how they they have destroyed that balance that was there to begin with. So, any rate, yes, you're absolutely right. That 17th Amendment is an egregious violation. And by the way, I may just parenthetically... And it's two egregious it. violations, really. It's one, having the people elect the Senate moving us straighter to a democracy, which means the states literally have no representation now. Uh, and secondly, then, the way that the senatorial um, vacancies were filled used to be legislative in nature. Now, they've tossed that to the executive branches primarily, right? Well, the... Yeah, there's there's some things that happen within the states on the way the senators are appointed if they if they get out of office, but they do have uh, elections on the next available election to take care of that. So there's there's truncated or shortened uh, terms of office in there. And by the way, that's exactly what's happening in Georgia with the uh, uh, there's there's going to be a senator that was elected in in 2020 election. That, that that slot or that office in the Senate, and so that's going to be a really hotly contended Senate race that I think Trump and others are going to be pushing hard for to make sure that the Senate doesn't stay in the hands of the Democrats. But, but I would but submit yes, the state we, legislative bodies should be the ones to deal with that uh, vacancy, uh, fulfilling of that vacancy, not an executive person or somebody else uh, with a shortened election cycle. Because what you do is you manipulate the process like that. You give somebody an incumbent status uh, by an individual as opposed to a broad body of people who would vet that uh, next appointment, etc. So there's a lot of game playing that takes place there via the Second Amendment, or I'm sorry, 17th Amendment as well. And again, as I was going to parenthetically remark, there are many people that are looking for to, to change the Constitution through a convention. And they say, oh, Bradley, you're so worried for nothing. There's going to still have to be three-quarters of the states will approve any changes we make. That is, if they don't change the approval process, which they did in the first convention. But let's just say they don't. Three-quarters of the states would never be stupid enough to do that. Oh, yeah? Do you remember the 14th Amendment? Do you remember the 16th Amendment? Do you remember the 17th Amendment? Do you remember the 18th Amendment? All of those were approved by three-quarters of the states, and every one of them has proven to be a, just an absolute flaming failure. And three-quarters of the states did that. So, yes, you can have three-quarters of the states make a bad decision. And by the way, in, in 1913, when, when so many of these things happened, this, the, the nation had a far better understanding of constitutional limits and bounds than we currently have. A hundred years later, hundred-plus years later, we have become, I would venture to guess that 150 years ago, elementary children had a better understanding of constitutional principles than is currently had by those that hold the highest offices in this nation. So yeah, we could we could try and write a new con uh, through a new convention or through some other amendment process things that would not be protected because of the three quarter states you know that are applying and, and ratifying it. So we need to be very careful when we turn people loose that have not the slightest clue of appropriate governance. I, I oftentimes refer to the Franco-Prussian War and the uh, communist commune that ran Paris after, and it's like, 
they were totally incapable of governance. And I, I find a lot of parallels between that and what currently sits in, in our highest offices in government. Rare indeed. Oh, man. Someone... You're saying I'm not supposed to get excited about recalls. I was getting all excited that we could recall everybody and just fix the country all in one big old massive anarchist recall. Oh, shame. See, that's what they want to do in California, too. What you need to do is elect the next governor. If they're uh, guilty of crimes, we need to look at impeaching them, uh, etc. There's ways to do this, folks, but you can't do it democracy style. That's what I'm trying to highlight. You can't get all excited and then just mob rule, run around and do what you want, even if your cause is just. There's a way to go about these things that we need to understand. And the 17th Amendment really set the stage for this view that, hey, we can just as a democracy do whatever we want stuff. The states need representation at the federal trough, if you will. Uh, not for money, but for, for understanding of, hey, we need the states to have representation. They have none right now. We need there to be a separation of how we elect our representatives. These checks and balances seem to be um, uh, you know, slow and cumbersome. It was intended as so, folks. Okay, this expediency idea that we just set aside all rule of law and all checks and balances for the greater cause is a lie. This idea that we can just be a democracy and it's going to turn out well is a lie. And everything that they've done slowly but surely removes those checks and balances and gives the few the power over the many. And so your excitement about recalls, mm, don't get so excited, folks. Your excitement about this democracy idea uh, that President or whatever you want to call him, whacked out Joe Biden, referred to over and over and over and over in his speech. Ladies and gentlemen, our founders reject, rejected democracy. And we had a you unique form of representative government, Dr. Bradley. We did indeed, and it was well established even as the foundation was established with the Declaration. I guess we're going to take another break, then we can come back and talk about the results of this movement towards democracy in terms of debt. I, I understand. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got to do it. I also have two other headlines I want to run by Dr. Bradley. That's just a shame. As we move towards democracy, we also move towards immorality. They are companions, just so you know. Liberty Roundtable Live. I'm Sam Bushman. Dr. Scott Bradley with me. Freedomsrisingsun.com. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. Have we realized the assault against our lives, our liberties, our faith? To defeat this assault, Christians and all people of goodwill should have strategies to prevail in our faith and principles, which are simple. No need for a complex formula. One goal, one aim. A strategy like the heroic Christians of the past. We win, they lose. 
nothing less. Big Q, Little Q, the calm before the storm by a friend of Megagoria. The strategy of heaven revealed. Big Q, Little Q, the calm before the storm. Available on Amazon.com or by calling Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Scott Bradley with me. We're talking about we're rushing towards democracy like 90 miles going north. I mean, we're just all about it, ladies and gentlemen, full speed ahead. We better pull a halt to that. Disaster. And I might mention that democracy and immorality go hand in hand. Uh, let's kind of highlight that, doctor, as well. Well, uh Christ comes. So there you have it. Ladies and the gentlemen, law, this is serious business. Go ahead, it, Dr. It Bradley. gives Okay, well, the moral basis of a law gives it validity. And in fact, you can go back and review, and if there were time, uh, some of these subjects we take are, are really worthy of review. It's just that they were are truncated in our time so much. The uh, Blackstone, the, the one of the great mentors of the American Founding Fathers, spoke often of if a law violated God's law, it was not a valid law. It was illegal, null, and void throughout all the world. And the basis of law in the world had its tie back to that divine law. I mean, and, and again, there's pages of discussion we could have about that. But one of the things that's interesting to me is that Blackstone, in, in one of his statements, this is, by the way, if, if you've got the original Blackstone, go to volume one, page 120, and, and read about what he said. He talked about morality and its importance. Oh, and then we could talk about Montesquieu and how important morality is. But let's just mention this thing, this one quotation. Blackstone said that there was an appropriate time for law to intervene if someone had an immoral action. He says, no matter how abandoned may be a man's principles or how vicious his practice, provided he keeps his wickedness to himself and does not violate public decency, he is out of the reach of human laws. But if he makes his vices public, then they become, by his bad example, of pernicious effect to society, and it is the business of human laws to correct them. So thereof we could talk about prostitution, for example, and, and the immorality that's involved in then. So, and by the way, Montesquieu, another one of the founder's mentors, if you will, 
spoke of of what a republic was and well he spoke of all the forms of government that he studied and he tried to put either a word or a phrase to describe them in the best he could just in that very succinct way and he said a republic which is what we were supposed to be and should be and ought to return to a republic well, hold on. one word a republic is what the rule of law the supreme law of our land says we are though so not only is it supposed to be, but by law, that's the reality as well, even though we seem to be turning our back on that very thing. That's why restoration, not revolution, is so important, Doctor. Yeah, absolutely right. And, and for example, Modest, you said, but well, I'll give you the word that he described republics with. It was virtue. He says, when people are virtuous, few punishments are needed. But then he went on so far to say is that if the nation lost its morality, particularly the women of the nation, and it, it's not because there's a double standard, but because they're raising the next generation, and the standard they set with their children will ultimately be the governance of the, of the nation. But he said, so many are the imperfections that attend to the loss of virtue in women, and so greatly are their souls degraded when this principal guard is removed, that in popular state, that's somebody where you elect your, your, your uh, leaders, in a popular state, public incontinency, so that's, you know, violation of the moral standard, may be considered as the last of miseries and as a certain forerunner of a change in the Constitution. So what's at the very stake is our constitutional form of government. When we lose our morality, we lose our direction. And, and that is truly what is happening in the nation today. We have, we have abandoned these baseline principles that made the nation the greatest, freest, strongest, most happy, and most prosperous, and most respected nation on earth because people are casting aside this idea that there are limits and bounds within which society must operate or else they they end up losing their liberty. And, and by the way, what nations do uh, literally is virtually commit suicide. Well, and that's kind of where we are on this path we're right now, you know. Yes, um, ben Franklin said, let me add that only a virtuous people are capable of freedom. As nations become corrupt and vicious, they become, they have more need of masters. So these kinds of things have consequences. And when the nation decides, oh, well, you know what, it's, it's kind of okay. By the way, this is fostered completely in the lesson plan of the public education humanist religion schools that we have out there, which is the, you know, the, you find this in the humanist manifestos 1, 2, and 3, and we've, we can talk at length about them too. But they talk about the proclivities, sexual proclivities, for example, and how they, you know, it's okay, you, you know, there shouldn't be any limits and bounds on this. And we have been teaching this in school so long that the gender bender things and the ideas of killing babies before they're born, the idea that we're just simply animals acting out, you know, based upon the Darwinistic theories. Uh, yeah, what do you expect if you think we're really animals that are highly evolved? If you, if you act like an animal, you ought to expect it. I mean, all of these things are being fostered through a system that has been corrupted and is so different from what the Americanist philosophy was to begin with. And by the way, I talk a lot about this in, in my book, To Preserve the Nation. The, the moral imperative is one of the chapters. The idea of education and freedom is one of the chapters. The, the ideas of our spiritual foundation in America is one of the chapters. These things are absolutely essential for the preservation of everything that this nation has ever stood for since it 
stood up and marched forward in history after we got our Constitution. It's magnificent. But we, we've abandoned. And, and there isn't, I don't know, there may be as a few, a handful at most, of people at the head of the government that even seems to have the slightest inclination of understanding these things. It's just astonishing. Well, we can pray and we can educate and we can do all within our power, ladies and gentlemen. That's our duty and that's what we shall do. I've got two stories before the end of the hour, two headlines that I want to bounce off Dr. Bradley. First one says this, Biden wearing a mask despite being vaccinated is a patriotic responsibility for God's sake. Well, he Science said that, not be you. Darned. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's right. He said that. Science be darned, though. He says, I don't care. You know, you got to wear this mask, even though you've been vaccinated. Now, it reminds me of Fauci with the same agenda where Rand Paul, Dr. Rand Paul called this political theater. Um, they're engaging in this dishonest narrative, setting science aside. Even the CDC says you don't have to wear a mask outdoors if you're vaccinated. Now, I'm not agreeing with all that either. I'm just saying... Um, Romney doesn't even want to, I'm sorry, wow, Biden doesn't even want to go along with that, doctor. Well, you know, I think Rand Paul spoke of it when he was uh, grilling uh, Fauci as, as theater. This is political theater. There is not a shred of evidence of any of these things having any value and it, it really is virtue signaling. It's compliance signaling. And, and tragically, churches have fully embraced and adopted this con concept when they're, I mean, think for a moment. If you just look at science, I mean, these, these masks that you wear, and the best of them will filter down to three nanometers. I mean, that's a really small particle if you want to think about it. But, but the, the largest that a virus could be is dot three nanometers, one-tenth the size. Like we, we have that analogy of the mosquito getting through a chain-link fence. But, but that, that is what we're doing, is virtue signaling for compliance. And the compliance is something that, that they're going to go for it to the nth degree. The vaccine is not a vaccine. The jab, it doesn't give immunity. It doesn't prevent spread. And, and they're fact, going there's now to logic, along uh, this. Now there's scientific logic talking about the shedding that the vaxxed are doing uh, where it puts the unvaxxed in greater danger of getting the COVID. So we're adding insult to injury uh, with these scientific dishonest claims and, and et cetera. Uh, and, and you can see it everywhere. They have a different agenda, and it has nothing to do with keeping people well. It has everything to do with keeping people compliant. in a controlled, compliant uh, environment. It's that simple and that is a sign people losing their liberty like that is a sign of a nation that turns its back on the morality uh reality that we talk about we moved more towards a democracy and we move more towards immorality uh as two companion train tracks if you will now i'll give you the point manhattan district attorney the guy's name is cy vance jr he announced on wednesday that the city will no longer prosecute prostitution and unlicensed massage. That's according to a press release from the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. This is the kind of immorality we speak of, Doctor, to where we're now just basically wholesale backing flat-out immorality. Well, indeed. Uh, Sam Adams said the sum of it all is, if we would most truly enjoy the gift of heaven, let us become a virtuous people, then we shall both deserve and enjoy it. While on the other hand, if we are universally vicious and debauched in our manners, 
Though the form of our Constitution carries the face of the most exalted freedom, we shall in reality be the most abject slaves. He talks about all of this freedom deserve, uh, depends upon our virtue. You know, it's it's so amazing. Uh, it, just going back to the mask for just a second, and, and they're all related, I know. But this idea, if, if there were time, we could talk about how masks have historically been involved in not only being anonymous, but also taking away your individuality, how slaves have been placed in masks, and the different kinds of masks through history, even in this country. And, and how diabolical this has been to take away the individual sovereignty of, it, of people. You look at the burqa and, and the women and the repression under those nations that require them to, to be masked up. And, and I think about this mask is becoming the American burqa. And, and some religions have adopted it as, as their sign of their Christianity and everything like that. It is absolutely absurd when you look at the history of masks and what has been done in, in the use of those masks to destroy individuality and liberty. And all of that is absolutely astounding where we have gone and our president of the United States, so-called president, I guess I have a hard time really fully digesting that. But the fact of the matter is, wear your mask if you got the shot. Come on, what good is the shot then, people? Well, you got to wear masks if you got is, your shot, is, my friend. One mask won't work. Vaccines won't work. you got to have two masks. Why not three? Three is the charm, don't they say? I mean, where do we go with this? They also say that they're going to open up cruise lines, ladies and gentlemen. But then they tell you that the CDC is going to lay out the rules in which cruise lines can open. they got to obey the CDC. The CDC is as unconstitutional as it gets, ladies and gentlemen. Where do they get authority to tell cruise lines what they must and must not do to actually even open and be viable? I mean, we have got we have turned this country on its head, and we better turn to God and repent and pray hard so he'll heal our land. That would be my most clear, singular advice to we, the people in America. Become a moral people, repent, and turn to God. And if we do so, he promises us that he will heal our land and protect us from the cocoa and from the bureaucrats trying to peddle the cocoa for the cocoa for control reasons. For Dr. Scott Bradley, freedomsrisingsun.com, God save the republic.